You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, I'm so grateful that we get to have another episode where we cover type three and all of its glory. I get to talk with my sister, Abby, today. It's like you're joining us for a phone conversation, which we used to have all the time, you guys, before we had, between all of us, about eight kids uh, or five by three. And so it's so different now. We have husbands, kids, and we still are besties in so many ways, but it's just a delight that we got to hang out together and truly know each other and know the stories of why we turned out to our personality types and today we give you a crack of light to see what happened with her threeness and and she admits to shadows she shares with us all of the the beauty and the pain of her type and I'm just honored that she would do that for us because I know how hard it is. And in this series, I didn't want to ask people where I thought that might be taken as manipulative because I really am careful about like asking people to expose themselves. So I'm so grateful. I can't tell you how much that uh, she came on to share with us. Also, she's a bit of a hero for me in the sense that she's taken on a lot of the stuff of our childhood more for me. And uh, so when people are saying, you know, I don't understand some of these personality types. It's like I have this situation where I'm like, I have had some siblings of various types that have taken a lot for me. So I can tell you there's a lot of threes out there taking a lot for a lot of people. And they really do deserve for you to see the interior of them too. And also to hear the history of how and why they became a three. So that's what we get to sit back with. But again, like I said, Abby's my hero. She's risen up from so many challenges. We called her little Abby fighter when she was uh, a little child. And I remember that she was always very strong. And she then beat thyroid cancer and came back as best as she could with her voice and is just a beautiful leader in so many ways, as well as a mom of grown kids and those still growing up and a leader, uh, a COO of the Detroit Center on Aging. She recently was meeting with Congress people from the White House. She is just a special person. So thank you so much for hanging with us for this convo and just taking a peek into how you can bless the threes in your life and also learn from the threes and about the threes in your life. Okay, let's chat with Abby. Abby, I'm so glad to have you back on the E&M pod. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. It's going to be great. I know. We are so excited. We get to learn about type threes today from my sister. We talk about you occasionally here and I (laughs) actually, in good ways, but we use each other for teaching examples in life, right? Yes. Um, So tell everybody a little bit about you and your marriage and your work and your life. I have a busy life, as you know, and I'm a working mom. I am an executive at a nonprofit that focuses on the elderly and vulnerable populations. I now do quality work. I used to do social work and I still have a bleeding heart for social work, even though I 
do quality work now and compliance. And I've been married for almost five years. We have a blended family. And that's what I was on last time talking about. Mm -hmm. And we have three kids that live with us full time and two kids that are grown. And then we also um, have our niece that we help with and I don't think kids are ever grown truthfully. (laughs) That's so interesting because the uh, guest on the five podcast said that too, said, let's just let everybody know (laughs) that they keep needing you. And I see how often you talk to my nephews, your boys, and they need you almost every day, right? I do talk to them on text every day, but they do still need a lot. And I know as a daughter, I still you know, would love to have my parents. So I always try to keep that in mind when they call and making sure I'm available for them, even though, as you know, my 21 year old likes to call at about two in the morning. Your 21 year old. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Precious for Camden. Yes. And so, you know, I try to make myself available sometimes for that, but he has been better about calling a little earlier, but they definitely need things still just different. It's different, but it's the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just, Mm -hmm. I don't think parenting ever ends. And so when people talk about how their kids are going to be out of the house or cut off when they turn 18. I'm always wondering how that works out because I think that especially the um, generation needs, younger generation needs that support to succeed in college and to continue Mm -hmm. if they go to college or a trade or as they start out in the career field um, early, I think they still need that support. So that's a lot about blending families, figuring those things out. Yeah, that's wonderful. You're really giving us some insights as to what's ahead. And I've loved watching you with all of yours and I see your huge heart and I love how you know this today's topic isn't necessarily that you had uh, your oldest at such a young age, but he's now getting his PhD in math. And I just want to encourage young parents out there too, that you you've done such a beautiful job. Well, thank you. It was definitely a work in progress and (laughs) it always is a work in progress. I'm a young mom and an old mom. And it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. because someone actually said that to me today (laughs) when we were at work, we had a great meeting. And then afterwards we were talking and one of them said, how do you have a 28 year old and and a nine year old? And I'm like, I've had kids every six years. (laughs) (laughs) You really have. (laughs) It's amazing. You are just my hero in so many ways. And I guess you guys, yes, you guys are hearing her huge heart. And I think that's something I wanted to expose about our threes on this expose episode and just remind people that threes have huge hearts. And you can hear my sister in the way she talks about uh, just longing for nurture and parents. And Abby's always been great about just being honest about that since we were little to now when you make tribute Facebook posts, it's, you know, stuff like that. It takes my breath away because I'm not expecting it. (laughs) And you're just so (laughs) open and raw with your heart. So I love to let people know, know that threes have a big heart. 
one thing that I try to do with social media is sometimes show vulnerability. People might not like that, but I want people not to see just one side of me. I think that it's important to show all sides of somebody. And as you know, that um, is a struggle for a three. And so it's out of my comfort zone because I like to, as a three, I often like to have the image that everything is like, you know, really good and perfect and not show that vulnerability. So it is something that I have to constantly work on. And you had put something on your Instagram recently that really hit home with me and, you know, really does impact a relationship. And it was the strengths and the stress. And that really made it really hit home with me <laughs> mm. um, because it said unable to confess feelings. And sometimes that's a barrier um, because threes sometimes get in stress mode. They sometimes don't like to ask for help. And that's something that can really impact a relationship if you're in a stressed three moment and you're not willing to ask for help. You'd rather cover it. You know, and just kind of band-aid things. It can become a cycle and it could be destructive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You are really good at acknowledging this increasingly. And I really love that you ec echoed that that's not always easy for a three to do because there's so much about a heart type that wants to be the image of what other people want. And so tell us a little bit about being a three and maybe the development of your three or anything you want to say just in general about three. And then I'll ask you some particulars. Okay. You know, I think one of the reasons why I became a three is to please our dad. I mean, because mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest things he was always saying to us, this isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I got my master's degree, he was like, but is that real? I know. I hated when he did that. <laughs> you know, or like when I got a 4.0, he's like, yeah, but it's at a community college. Oh, you know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes. It was never good enough. And we were always pitted against the older We were siblings pitted against each other. Or each other. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And that was a hard aspect if we could, you know, have an entire episode on dad. Um, we probably should. It would be therapeutic. <laughs> really would. Um, because kind of I parented think, by an eight. <laughs> yes, an unhealthy eight who has a lot of trauma, but who right. obviously found redemption in many ways too. But, um, but I think that you... Uh, really, really named it when you said sometimes we come to our type because of our gifting, but also because of the ways an adult was to us. And maybe right. you also wanted to be like uh, mom or dad in your life a little bit, and you maybe emulated another three that you found in culture or one of them. Yeah, I would say so um, with, you know, I really admired successful people and um, even growing up, I always wanted to be that shining star, like, you know, I brought up and um, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to learn some things with even like being competitive in high school and younger that was driven by our parents. Mm -hmm. 
wanting us to be the best. You know, one time I remember growing up, I got third place in this writing contest and I had to go and give my speech about it. And I remember our dad saying, well, I guess I'll take you even though it's only third place. Mm. And it's like, you know, he was like two other people were better than you. Mm. And so it was like that, you know, it made me question my worth, of course, but also Mm. it made me have drive to want to be the number one spot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it can create negativity in relationships too, because mm-hmm. then I ended up being too bossy. Mm. Yeah, too insistent on that spot. And I'm right. really glad you you knew that, you know that, um, you're watching out for that. And I know that we're going to talk about that in our interview, but that was really just helpful for us to hear some of the why behind I think that brings a lot of compassion to people when we say, why is somebody this way? Right. Um, and I know you did get to be then you were the concert master for the the band and you were playing flute for a community play. Oh, right. At the Performing Arts Center, I was hired to be the music. Right. And that was for an entire play. You were the whole music and then you were the student council president. And so I think cheerleader and you name it, you were there. Um, but there was the sense of, I have to do this. Sounds like that was right. just part of you. This is what I have to do to get love. Right. Exactly. To feel valued. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's worth it to help others who might be struggling. I have learned some things and I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is a year of growth for me. Yeah. You're like, I'm growing too. And I think that if most people are honest, most people are too. One thing that I think is very interesting about a three, um, and as you know, I kind of was looking into my wings um, lately and mm-hmm. um, did the truity test again and One of the things about that that was so interesting is a vulnerability, which I already meant, but also when a three dysregulates. And so from that, I was really having some insight talking to my own therapist about that, um, because one thing that I talked about, you know, from my childhood on, like you said, is that outside performance. And if it's always been with a three and me, For example, if I didn't succeed in something, I felt like an immediate failure and that I wasn't worthy of that love. And that's not really the case. You know, we all should be able to fail. And even as a child, I remember, um, you know, really feeling like if I wasn't the first or best, I would not be as valuable. Mm. And that you know, made me have this really competitive side, but also it did give me leadership ability, which is a strength. But, you know, I really do have to keep that in check sometimes because the negative, you know, if I go to a stress three, it could impact negatively. Mm, Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm so glad that you are really just digging in deeper and looking at that in your own therapy sessions. And that's not easy for a three to do therapy sessions, but you've been really good at it, at that these past few years. And maybe out of necessity of being a heart type and just knowing like this is, I have to have a place to process my feelings too, with all you give out to others, I would imagine. Yes. And that's one of the things that I think that is often an oversight with me in, you know, one thing that my therapist said, which I talked to you a little bit about, um, Mm -hmm. that was interesting is that she thinks that I minimize myself because, and this is something also growing up as a three, and I experience it sometimes as an adult in my work life and relationships is that threes are likable people. And so sometimes when threes are likable, because they are successful, they are, you know, likable in their healthiness, and it sometimes can create feeling jealous. And Mm -hmm. that is not saying that in a, you know, sometimes I was telling her, it can be a curse in a way to be that likable, because sometimes it even causes trouble in families where they might feel like you're the favored (laughs) child or adult or friend. And Mm -hmm. so um, if everybody, you know, sings the praises of one person in particular, especially like in a workplace or relationship, it sometimes can create um, some negative feelings from other people who don't get that attention. Hmm. And so that is something that, um, you know, I was told recently, you're not letting your light shine fully. And that was profound because it's true. Um, and sometimes I've learned I've, I have to hold back a little bit, but that's also a trust thing. And so it's really having to work through some of that and trying to learn from it and grow. Hmm. It sounds like it's been a both and thing where you're like, I, I both need to shine my light and not hold it back at all, as well as to realize that others around me need praise as well. And so that's something that I think you are holding intention. And I think you've probably through all these years in corporate worlds and at home and with friends, you've really, at least in my view, you have developed so much in that because I came up under you. So I knew the competitive side growing up, of course, and I had one too. Um, but but definitely just how much you cheerlead for me now, despite today you doing huge things that had huge, you know, beautiful things. Um, I was just laughing, thinking about how in the midst of my day, I text you about the website. <laughs> Yes. And she's always on me about my type seven website features or things I need to do. And so everyone who has like a one or a three is out there cheering for you right now. Cause I'll just be like in my la la land of idealism. And she's like, you don't have your listens updated on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you know, like I'll pay attention to these things. And so I love how you are shining for others too. And everyone can hear that now. Um, it's true. She does, but she's, um, also wonderful in your own right. So I'm glad you know that. Do you feel that your aggressive assertive stance comes out in work and marriage? And if so, how does that show up for you these days? 
I think it does, but it's been interesting, you know, because like I said, I am trying to, trying to learn how not to always have to be the person in charge or, you know, that aggressiveness can, like I said, become a negative if I'm constantly trying to control everything. And so that's something threes have to be careful of because if they feel that the success is what's going to make them worthy, whether it's a relationship or parenting or uh, work, then, you know, becoming more aggressive can really start to take control of things. And really, if you're not in control or like say that a project is done a different way than I would have did it or something like that, I have to be careful not to be too overbearing with that, even in relation, you know, my relationship and parenting, because it's really important to try to have a team. And, you know, my husband, who's an eight, is really good about calling me on the carpet for that. And that's something I've had to really learn, but also learn to hear because sometimes I don't listen as well as wanting to respond too quick. Mm, Okay. So yeah, he can help you to slow down, get clarified. And you're noticing that more and more as you become more, like you said, gracious to yourself, but also coming around yourself to see, okay, I can rush too quickly. And why do you think, even though you're working on it so much, why do you think in general threes move so fast? Because they want to do a lot. I take on a lot um, too much. And, you know, I have that helper nature too as a three. I mean, you know, it's it's still in me to be a helper. And so I want to solve problems quickly because Mm -hmm. if I know a solution, I don't really see the point of not trying to solve it. But sometimes I have to be aware that it doesn't mean necessarily my solution is always right. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to heal and you have that two wing that's very strong also. And so in that space, you're desperate for this to come as soon as possible. But like you said, you have to be patient sometimes. And that's been a lesson. That has, and the focus um, journal actually really helped me with that because, you know, um, one example is, like I said, we've been married for five years almost, and um, we really wanted to get a house and we had to wait an extra year. And um, then, you know, what we had anticipated initially and that really, um, that focus journal really helped me like, um, plan my vision for that and, Mm. you know, do that as partners, but also um, still learning how to thrive in that partnership with some of the things that I tend to take control over, um, you know, as a leader, as a three. And so um, really learning how to be a partner instead of a boss. Oh, that's a great line for our threes to really hear a partner rather than a boss. And I know that so much of marriage work is done in the space of repair. I mean, that's really where it's at in so many ways. So when our threes do come into that space of 
Hey, I I've noticed I've been bossing. Is there anything you tend to remind them of in a way that they can repair when they have moved ahead too fast? I think that one of the biggest things, and I am learning this because threes, like I said, a stressed three, um, doesn't like to be accountable. And so, you know, a real negative is not owning up to what you do wrong, trying to smooth it over, kind of being, um, you know, a um, smooth talker in a sense. So you put out something that sounds really good, but if you don't have the action behind it, it's going to fail. And then you really have to be solution focused and um, make sure that you're not just saying the words. So you have to have that accountability and then mm -hmm. also do the action behind it. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's good. been a real struggle for me. Yeah, that's good. Because I make a lot of excuses. I've had to own up to that. Mm -hmm. And you're really also telling our threes that when they're in that space of, you know, really having beautiful ideas and coming back around and changing things or, or saying you are, you have to follow it up with action. So you just went another level farther than I was going because you said, not only do we have to make the repair verbally, but then we have to do it. Yes. Wow. That's great. The and that's not easy. Verbally, you have to do it and you have to do the action behind it. And that's not something I'm accustomed to. I'm kind of accustomed to as a three growing up in my whole life, being able to smooth it over with words. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely coming from a very literary family and our mom was super nurturing. So when she was available, you know, and I think that's something our audience knows here is that our mom had moments where, especially in your growing up years and my older siblings, where she wasn't always available. So um, I get that you have had an environment where that may have worked a little bit. And now when we grow up and we're in marriage, we have to really face who we've become and who we want to become. Right, exactly. Wow. Well, tell us what it looks like um, being future focused. Do you tend to notice this now where you're like, I'm aware, I'm a three, I see myself. I'm. It's, it's sort of like the assertive stance, but um, is there anything else you would point out to other threes who struggle with living in the future versus the present or the past or balancing all three? Um, one thing that I think is very helpful for threes is staying present, like you said, and um, utilizing mindfulness. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, mindfulness really helps you reset when you are kind of dysregulating based on, you know, threes are really hard on themselves and can be judgmental too. And, um, you know, it goes back to that stress three where you don't want to face um, your vulnerabilities and, you know, the mindfulness helps you stay in the moment and stay focused if you just do a reset mm -hmm. and really start to um, believe in yourself and really needing to stay present and, you know, just not be deceitful and really helping to stay focused, being mindful and just staying in that moment and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Mm. 
Wow. That's a good word. And how would you, for instance, use mindfulness knowing you're who you are and everyone might have a different way. What's something that allows mindfulness into your days? Is it deep breaths? Is it meditation apps? Is it the full fo- the focus journal? Is it anything in particular? Well, I do all three of those. Um, but I also, you know, keep some important quotes around, um, I try to, um, I use a Fitbit, so I have it set to remind me to, um, you know, take a couple moments in my day. And a lot of times I'm going from meeting to meeting, trying to manage things at home at the same time, um, which is something I've had a hard time, you know, letting go of and um, just focusing on work. And so sometimes I really just have to practically make myself physically, do some, uh, I'll do a quick power walk around the office. And a couple of the people laugh when they say, oh, I see you doing your power lap because it's refocusing me. And so I've told them and shared with them why I do it, but they kind of tease me about it in a joking way and say, here she comes doing her power walk to get more powerful. And it was so funny because, um, you know, I said, no, I'm regrouping and resetting, <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh, she's going to be more powerful, <laughs> even more powerful and even right. more dazzling. <laughs> oh, that's the best. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that, that those are some of your methods. And I know that we've had moments together where you have really seen words and they have meant a lot to you because we were raised in a family with a lot of words and you've read a lot of books for comfort. And I was going to ask about that for the self-soothing piece of three that could be also part of why there's this aggressive or assertive or future orientation. Do you have ways that you have otherwise self-soothed so that you don't just head into dysregulation further? Um, yes. Sometimes I really like to, um, it is about words for me. And so sometimes I really listen to some really powerful music or um, play, you know, I like to, I'm trying to get back into playing my instruments a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, And really one thing that I tend to do, which isn't necessarily a healthy thing, but it focuses me. So it is like a self self-soothing, but I'm trying to not do it as much as I end up getting a little more involved in work after hours. And so Mm -hmm. that is something I'm really trying to be mindful of because while it soothes me, um, I need to also step away. And so I'm learning to find some more ways to self-soothe. I like to play video games. Um, because you can focus on those and kind of still solve something. Um, and so I do that or, you know, solve some puzzles and, um, release things that I try to keep my brain sharp. Yes. And you know, your boys have joined you in those things. And something we talk a lot about with Reese is join them in their coming back to spaces. Don't make them head into this immediate about face that's going to make them feel totally dysregulated. Uh, or like you said, there's this 
supreme comfort in work and in achievement. So I like how you're saying, I'm, I'm being honest here. I'm still working on it. That's very real. As well as saying, hey, sometimes video games with myself, with my family, there's a bit of a competitive streak or these power walks or reading words that are meaningful or writing. These are all great spaces for you. And I'm glad you're really thinking that through with us. Now, do you think threes get more dysregulated because of actual anxiety or more because of uh, a sense of trying to find self-worth or a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. We tend to have some anxiety because I think a lot of anxiety with threes, if you really look at the root cause and, um, of it, or at least it's a contributing factor that um, it's based on what they're able to control and what they're not able to control. And I actually save some things about coping statements with anxiety um, because I have to remind myself that, you know, it's a feeling and I, you know, have to try to ground myself Mm. and do some self-care check-ins and ask myself, like, what are your needs today? And then really I have, you know, a couple things I look at and it's things I can control and things I can't control. It's very easy to Google and it really helps because if I remind myself that these are things that I can't control Mm -hmm. and one of the things you brought up is the past and the future Mm -hmm. um, and also other people's actions, Mm -hmm. it really, and what others think you know, and so those are all really important to a three, what others think, how others behave in the past and the future. And so that self, you know, blame or self, you know, not being very good to yourself and extra hard on yourself, not feeling worthy Mm -hmm. can often cause anxiety. And also if you can't control the scene and something gets, you know, rocked, then it can cause anxiety. Hmm. Yeah. And, and when you think of it, I love that you're going so deep with us here. Thank you. And when you're thinking about, um, controlling the scene, does that, is that the case with mostly the one-to-one relationship being in the sexual three, or is that with everything just so our threes listening? And I know you can't speak for every three, but from your perspective, right? I think it's with everything, but wouldn't be surprised if some threes would go as a sexual three, go more into a less domineering side sometimes because they're always in control of everything. And so I think it could vary between either wanting to control that scene or liking somebody else to take charge of that scene. Mm, Okay. So it could kind of be a bit of a, this disparity of this dialectic of you to you kind of wanting at some points the other person to take full control and then at other points you. Right. Yeah. Because of the sexual dynamic. And I get that of the dominating versus being dominated. Right. Right. But thank exactly. you. Yeah. And I I'm I asked you that because I was genuine genuinely coming from a place of being a thinking type, always thinking everybody's anxiety was like a thinking type. It was a revelation to me to realize everybody in the nine types comes to anxiety differently. So I wanted to hear what you thought about for threes. Um, Yes, I think that definitely threes have to, that's part of the reason why I said threes really need to stay in the moment because if we're, because our brains move fast and we're fast thinkers, then we're also, you know, could also be like really 
hurting ourselves with negative self-talk if Mm -hmm. we didn't succeed. And so we have to really be careful in becoming that negative stressed three. Mm, That makes sense. And so the anxiety can even move you into that space. Exactly. And, you know, I think sometimes um, with threes, they end up staying in certain situations that might not be working for them because of the image behind it. Mm, Yeah. Like I need to show up in this way because of what will people think of me sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so healthy and healthy and helpful for you to encourage other threes. And what do you say to those threes who are showing up uh, maybe not where they need to be, but they're just afraid to get help? So I know you've walked through that. And and when you walk through that, you really do a good job with boundaries. It is. Um, it's been a real lesson, though. And I would say I'm still definitely a work in progress with it. But it's really important as a three to remind yourself that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to appear perfect and really just stay humble, but also, you know, be careful of that ego and how it is impacting every area of your life and be proud of your worth and value, but also be humble behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're having those pulls of I'm nothing, I'm not worthy, and I'm sitting in sadness or shame versus I'm everything to everyone and I'm on the stage and I can't get off. Like you're saying, come back to that middle space of audience member or rest or get regulated and and then you'll probably have better chances for knowing what you actually need, I would imagine. Right. It's easier to identify your actual needs if you're staying in the moment, staying focused. That makes so much sense. Well, what tips do you have for people in relationships with threes or just threes in general? Because I know you might have tips on either side of this. I think that The biggest tip would be really stepping to pay attention and learn who you really are and allowing that vulnerable side that I mentioned to be present and really owning up to our own fears and things that need improvement. Because, you know, with threes, again, they really tend to possibly have a mask on And that's really important to dissolve. Hmm. That is interesting because do you think spouses in general can see that mask and and can tell when their partners are not being genuine? I think that it makes, sometimes it might make people think that if you're, if you're never willing to admit wrong or rarely or also um, learn and grow from it. It could make your partner think you're kind of vain or think that you are possibly deceitful. And so that is a real thing is that you might look one way in your stressed three because you might not be vulnerable, allowing people to see that vulnerability. And so it's really hard because I think partners sometimes might even feel like they're almost being gaslighted in a way by a three because threes will smooth that story over for their favor. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I have done it. I have seen it done. <laughs> I, And it's just coming inside of that and saying, there's a history to why threes do this. And before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what do you think would be a reason why we might want to come around and have a compassionate space for a three, even when we know uh, they're not perfect, just like none of the types are perfect? I think the biggest thing about being compassionate with a three is really trying to learn where they're coming from, looking at the motivation behind why they want to succeed. One thing about a three is that they're wanting everybody to succeed. That is, you know, um, something that I think even though they can, you know, sometimes focus on their own success, it also is wanting to help because they're solution focused. And so with that, um, they, you know, want other people to succeed too. Mm -hmm. So knowing that they're not just for themselves, they really do care deeply about others too. Yes, for sure. Yes. And I think that, like you said, they, they have a rhyme and a reason as to why they're doing things when you're frustrated with the way they might be cutting corners or, um, seem to be cutting corners or seem to be, um, deceitful that there's a heart that is often very loving inside of that space of wanting everybody to succeed, not just one or two people from the family. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that's why they're problem solvers. Mm, Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. I have seen it so much in our family. You are the central hub of our family and you always take everybody's side so beautifully. (laughs) And I know when you have anything bad to say, and this is the truth about anybody that I better really pay attention. (laughs) I better come back from my seven space of idealism and be like, if Abby's upset about this, we better pay attention because she is so gracious and always wants everybody to have their, you know, very best. And so if you ever set a boundary or you really do come alongside and say, there's a concern, we need to pay attention. So do pay attention when your truth telling threes tell you guys there's something going on. It's time to listen, right? Yes, I would agree with that. If they are, you know, raising that red flag, then it's important to listen. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Yes. I am with you all the way. I really trust when you have that. So I love that you are always growing. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Abby. I'm so glad I asked Abby on the podcast because she gave us some gold there with being really honest. And that's what I really want from the series is digging deep with people who have been there, done that, can call us on our BS, can tell us what's ahead, and can really just shine their light as best as they can as they still do their work. So I'm really grateful for Abby today sharing, and I've been really enjoying this conversational series across all of the types. If you ever need more help, go get our deep dive guide for type three, and you can also find the glow guides for every type with three on our website. But I'm just so thankful for this conversation with you. I'm so thankful that you hung around to get tools for yourself and your relationships with the threes in your life. And I look so forward to continuing to hang with you. If you are alive this week, you know, Tyler Zaka three has it going on with the gospel for Enneagram conference as well. So check out that summit. Everything's in the show notes for you. And I'm just grateful for you. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.